Good morning. Welcome, everybody. I'm Pastor Allen. We're so glad you've chosen to join us, whether here in person or online. Hopefully, you're excited. Uh, we should be excited to, to gather and worship. And we are a church that our, our goal, our vision is to be a church that the unchurched love to experience. So it's our vision statement. And if you're uh, not a Jesus follower at this point, we're so glad that you've joined us, uh, especially the series I'm starting today. I think it'll be a lot that will be beneficial and helpful to you. And our mission is to follow Jesus and change together. And we're going to talk about how you can change. That's what this uh, new series we're starting today will help us do. Uh, welcome again. Uh, if you're first time joining us, please let us know. Uh, through Facebook, let us know that you're uh, uh, watching or connecting or looking. Uh, questions, comments, feedback, we always appreciate all that. Uh, we do try and do a lot of fun and exciting things around here, and we're going to talk to you about a couple things we've done in a minute. Uh, a lot of our content is online now, so especially our children's ministry is not going on, but we do have content, changes every week, weekly updates, so you can take some time to plug in your kids or your grandkids to that uh, resource uh, to connect uh, and learn more about God uh, through that, hopefully as things open up, we'll be able to have our children's ministry again here on site. Uh, as far as connecting with us, uh, best way, easiest way is through an online uh, connect card, and we'd love to hear from you, whether it's a decision you made today, a commitment you made today, uh, obviously the teaching series that we're starting involves making decisions and commitments. Um, comments, uh, prayer requests. We love to pray for you and pray with you, and we also would like to have updates. Thank God for answering prayers. Any of those things, please just uh, uh, present them to us. If you'd like to receive the prayer request, let us know that. Just give us your email address. We'd love to do that also. Now, offering time. Uh, people that are here, we have offering plates in the back, but you can also give through our website, through our church app, and, and some folks even choose to mail their uh, resources. I just want to share with you a great opportunity we had this week to minister to our community. Uh, on Friday, we provided some lunches for uh, frontline workers at Emeritus Hospital, and uh, they were very, very appreciative. And so that was a ministry that we were involved in. We got Chick-fil-A food for them, and they really appreciated that. And be partially because of what you give, uh, that was something that we could participate in. So we're thankful to you, and we're thankful for that opportunity. So let's pray for the offering. <sighs> Father God, we're so thankful for your generosity to us. Every breath of life is a gift from you. Most of us have a pretty a nice life. Uh, we have houses and cars and clothes and food and more than we need, and we thank you for that. Uh, this offering is a uh, one way we show our appreciation and thanks and to share the good news of Jesus here locally as well as around the world. Uh, as the pastor here, I thank you, thank you folks for your generosity. Uh, God's a generous God and you show that you uh, are one of God's children or followers because you are also generous. Uh, give us, your church, this church, wisdom and how to best use these resources and that we too also be generous. Uh, God, just uh, speak loudly and clearly to us through this 
rest of this service. Let it be for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, new series called Habits. Today's topic is who before do. That'll make a little more sense in a few minutes, hopefully. Uh, So let's start with the question, why do habits matter? Why do habits matter? Now, I looked in the concordance of the Bible that word habit doesn't show show up very often in the Bible. So what's kind of a Bible word or a church word for habits? And I like the word disciplines. Our habits are our disciplines. Now, most of us don't like that word uh, because we're not very disciplined. But I like that word because this discipline and disciple is the same word, and we talk about being Jesus' followers. That's a disciple. So we're going to talk about um, disciplines or habits, and this series is going to be uh, a lot about application, which means that a lot of what I talk about today it's going to depend on you putting into practice once you leave here. So to answer the question, why do matters, why do habits matter? I've uh, been reading quotes from different books. I came across this one I thought was a good answer. Because successful people do consistently what other people or less successful people do occasionally. So Lots of examples. We could use it uh, financially. People that save money occasionally uh, are much better off financially, especially in retirement, than uh, less successful as people that do it consistently year after year. People that eat healthy over once in a while as opposed to people that eat healthy consistently or exercise consistently or occasionally. Those who are work on our relationship, if you're married, work on your relationship with your spouse, if you continue to work on it consistently, you'll have a much more successful relationship than those who do it occasionally. So it's all about small things, like the little, <laughs> uh, um, what they call those pieces? Dominoes, dominoes. Uh, about small things leading in the direction of big things. Now here's the key, over time. Over time. Habits are developed over time. Now, for example, can you imagine Jesus saying, well, I am so busy taking care of these disciples. They're driving me crazy and and helping people out, performing miracles. I just don't have time to pray. I just don't have time to spend spend with my Heavenly Father. Of course, if you read the Gospels, Jesus never did that. He always found time to pray. It was a priority. It was a habit. It was a spiritual discipline for him. Paul, for example, he says uh, he was a missionary, went, started churches in different towns, and he would go into a town. The first place he would go is to the synagogue, 
And because the Jewish people believed in the Messiah and said, I come to tell you about the Messiah's already come and, uh, and the good news involved in that. So that was a habit of his, a discipline of his. So quoting from another author, Sean Covey, Stephen Covey's son, he said this, our habits will make or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. And logically, it makes sense, right? Um, now, I didn't start the series on January 1st because some people do New Year's resolutions, some people don't. Uh, but that's trying to develop better habits. But the, the statistics show that by Valentine's Day, and we're about halfway there, 92%, over 90%, of the New Year's resolutions have gone by the wayside. <laughs> that means that you've been unsuccessful 92% of the time. Um, so we want to be more successful than that. So maybe you had some and you've already they've gone by the wayside. So we're going to help you start or restart uh, some good habits. Now, when we read Scripture, sometimes we don't relate to what's in there. It talks about people that are more spiritual than us, and so forth. But there's one passage of Scripture I think everybody can relate to. And this is written by Paul, that missionary, uh, that started out hating Jesus' followers. <clears throat> in a book, he ca book called Romans, he wrote to the church in Rome. Uh, he gets to the seventh chapter, and he says something I think everybody here can relate to. I don't really understand myself. What does he mean by that? For I, I want to do what's right, most of us do that, right? But I don't do it sometimes. Instead, I do what I hate, what I really don't want to do. So, you know, I really don't want to sit down in front of the TV all night and eat a bag of potato chips, but I do it anyway, or whatever your favorite snack food is. Um, I really want to go out and exercise, but I, you know, it's too cold or it's too hot or whatever it is. So he goes on. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. And I'm, I want you to pay attention to some term, terminology here. There's nothing good in my sinful nature. He describes the sinful nature as I do, I don't, uh, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. So he's describing sinful nature. Then he goes on to identify with his behavior. I do bad things, so I'm a bad person. We all kind of do that sometimes, right? <laughs> so he says, what? Oh, what a miserable person I am because I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do. So it makes me miserable. And then he cries out, is there any help? Is there any hope? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Is there a solution? Is there an answer? Now, let me ask you, is willpower the answer? Why do 92% of people not keep their news? Because willpower doesn't work. Or it doesn't work long term. And again, this is about time over time. So willpower doesn't, it just, we all just, it runs, we run out. Uh, and I call it will weakness because it's not real strength or willpower. Uh, the other problem I have with this text is, it's so easy for us to use it as an excuse. Well, if Paul couldn't do it, I certainly can't do it. Uh, that's not what Paul is trying to teach us here, and that's not what he's telling us. So Paul's saying he's helpless. Is there any hope? 
And then he says, yes, yes. And this is where we need to focus in on. The next verse says, thank God. Thank God that there is a help, there is hope, there is a solution. There is an answer. Where's the answer? What's the answer? Who's the answer? The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Now, keep track of that phrase. We're going to come up uh, across it later. Because when in his life is he referring to this? In, uh, because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now, it doesn't matter no, what you and I do or don't do, how long we've done it, how bad it is, quote-unquote. It, it doesn't really matter. So, in contrast to this, in another place, in 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote something that we need to balance with this, or contrast with this. In 2 Corinthians, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, or in Christ Jesus, has, has, has received or adopted the answer, has become a new person. Is a new person a slave to sin? The old person was a slave to sin. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So keep that in mind. We're going to get back to this later. Old life is gone. New life has begun. So again, successful people do consistently over time, what other people do occasionally. <clears throat> now, for those of us who are Jesus followers, and if you're not, again, I'm glad you're listening, watching. Uh, part of that, obviously, is godly disciplines. I need to read my Bible consistently. Miss a day, that's okay, but consistently. It's our food. You eat consistently. <laughs> we ought to eat spiritually consistently. We have a personal relationship with Almighty God. We ought to talk to Him and let Him talk to us. We call that prayer. Uh, there's other disciplines, uh, ministry, serving people, uh, helping people. Uh, you may uh, fast as, as a spiritual discipline. Uh, going to church is a spiritual discipline, whether in person or, or online, attending worship, being in a small group where you uh, do life together. These are all disciplines. Successful people and successfully successful spiritual people consistently do these things. You tend to be not so successful spiritually, you're probably neglecting these habits or disciplines. So I want to address why we don't succeed when we have good intentions. Because all of us have good intentions. We all want to be better. We want to improve. We want to uh, make our life better, our relationships better, our financial situation better, our health better. So why we don't succeed when we have good intentions. We're going to talk about three areas this morning. First, we focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. So what, what, what is my what? Well, I want to lose 20 pounds in the next four months, okay? How do I get there? How do I do it? I, I don't know. I, 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 what I want, but I don't know how to do it. I, you know, I want to have that spiritual disciplines of spending time with God. I, I know what I, what, I just don't know how to do it. Uh, I want to be financially responsible. I want to save money. I want to get out of debt. I just don't know how to do it. I want to have a great marriage or a great parent-child relationship. I just don't know how to do it. 
So, we all have the good intentions, but we don't all have the same results. So, why is that? Well, one thing is, we all have the same goals. Winners and losers all have the same goals. Um, nobody, I don't believe, makes it or sets a goal, for, for example, at the beginning of the year. Uh, this year, I want to gain 30 pounds and be flabbier than ever. Anybody make that a goal? Uh, hopefully, I don't think so. Uh, this year, I um, want to get deeper in debt. I'm going to refinance my house at a higher interest rate, so I have to pay more money. Again, we, we have the same goals. Winners and lo losers generally have the same goals. Spiritually, you know, I just want, I want to get farther away from God. I want to become more disconnected from God. No, 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 no. Um, Winners and losers generally, almost always, have the same goals. If we can get that up, please. <clears throat> so goals, obviously then, don't determine success. We're going to use the word systems do. Systems do. Um, we all have pretty much the same goals. So Success comes through something else. We're going to call them systems. Now, if you don't like the word system, it's not a Bible word. Maybe plan. I, I, you've heard the expression, uh, make the plan and work the, uh, work, plan the work and then work the plan. Excuse me. Plan to work and then work the plan. So what is your plan? What is your system? Get that up, please. <clears throat> well, we don't rise to the level of our goals, obviously. What do we do? We fall to the level of our systems. So what is our system? What is our plan? If you don't have a plan, your plan is to, to not succeed, correct? So you say, well, this word system is not in the Bible, but you, the, the concept is there. So I'm going to give you an illustration. Um, most people know of a guy in the Old Testament named Daniel. Daniel was a Jew who lived in uh, Israel and got carried off in captivity in, in, in Babylon. So he's living in a foreign place, um, and he becomes successful. Uh, even though he's a foreigner, because of his intelligence, and he interprets some dreams, he did some other things, God blessed him. And so he rose to power in the Babylonian government. And the question is, why was Daniel so successful? And we're going to find out in this specific situation. <laughs> uh, there was a law passed that you can only worship the king. Of course, Daniel worshiped Yahweh, God. So the law was passed, and we're going to read what Daniel's response is. His system, if you will, his plan. So we think, well, if it was me, I would... Um, you know, either stop worshiping Yahweh or do it in secret, right? So what's Daniel do? Well, he had, he had a system in place that led to his success. So we're going to read this in Daniel chapter 6, just one verse. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, so now it's in effect, he went home and just cried and wailed and 
didn't know what to do, threw his hands up into, no, no. He went home and knelt down as usual, as habit, as discipline, in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day. Oh, I better pray more now that this has happened? No. He prayed three times a day just as he always had done. He had a plan. He had a system. Giving thanks to his God. Didn't matter what things were going well in his government or things were not going so well in the government. Say that maybe today. He had a plan. He worked the plan. He had a system. Giving thanks to God. So this was part of his spiritual system. Connecting with God. So, when you and I fail or when you and I make a mistake, we need, if we want to change the result, we have to change the plan. So, on your outline it says, we need to change the systems that create the negative results. Makes sense. What's that definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? So, if we get a negative result, we need to change the system or the plan. Are you interested? Hopefully you're interested. (laughs) So again, why don't we succeed when we all have good intentions? Another reason is this. We don't see progress fast enough. We don't see it fast enough. For example, I'm going to start exercise. I'm going to start walking on treadmill outside, uh, you know, half an hour every day. So you do this for a week and you get on the scales. Guess what? You gain two pounds. Oh, it doesn't work. I'm going to stop. No, (laughs) it just takes longer than that. You start getting up early, reading your Bible and praying every day, and you do this for two weeks, and then all of a sudden, if you got kids, you yell at the kids or kick the dog or whatever it might be, and you think, this doesn't work. No, no, no. (laughs) You don't see progress fast enough or fast enough to your liking. Um, You used to go buy coffee at Starbucks every day, and so you decide, I'm going to save some money. So for a month, you stop going to Starbucks. You saved $100, and you look at your credit card debt, it's $20,000, and now it's only $19,900. It doesn't work. Yes, it works. You just don't see the progress fast enough. So we wrongly conclude, for example, that small good decisions don't matter that much, like walking or reading your Bible and praying, uh, like cutting out some uh, unnecessary expenses in our budget. We wrongly conclude that small good decisions don't matter that much. Wrongly conclude. That's not a good conclusion. That's not a right conclusion. We also do it on the flip side. For example, um, some of you are gamers. So you decide, and say you're married, and you're a gamer, and you spend all evening gaming instead of spending time with your wife or your kids. And you go to your bed, and your wife's not mad at you. And you think, wow, I got away with it. Or um, you, uh, back up, please. <laughs> you decide, ah, oh, church isn't that important. So you start skipping church, and nothing bad happens to you. In fact, your life seems to be fine. Valentine's Day is coming up. Your loved one, ladies, gets you a box of chocolate and you decide to eat them all at one setting. And you didn't get any weight. Uh, we wrongly conclude, uh, now you can bring that up, we wrongly conclude that 
bad decisions, small bad decisions don't matter that much. They also matter. So what's the truth? What's the truth? Want to know the truth? I want to know the truth. Well, here's the truth. Our lives are the sum total of all the decisions that we've ever made. Where we decided to go to school, how long we decided to go to school, what we studied in school, what jobs we took, what jobs we left, uh, who we decided to marry, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Just all of them. My life, I'm getting old. (laughs) You know, my life's getting long. My life now is the result of all the decisions I've made, good and bad, just like yours is. And none of us wake up one day and say, how did I get here? My life was great yesterday. It was horrible today. Now, what happened? I made some bad decisions over time. For example, oh, I'll just cheat a little bit on my taxes this year. Oh, I got away with it. I'll cheat a little bit more on my taxes next year. And then all of a sudden, you're cheating a lot. And then you get audited and you get, get caught and you say, how did I get here? Well, it wasn't one little thing. It was a lot of little bad decisions. Same thing works in a positive way. Um, yeah, I'm going to start walking, walk a little bit, start me walk a little bit more, change my diet a little bit, cut out desserts, whatever it might be. Um, over time, eventually, how did I get here? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling better. I've lost some weight. I've got more energy, etc., etc. So it's a sum total, all decisions that we make. Now, here's something really important to remember. The good decisions are not wasted. The good decisions are not wasted. They're being stored up, like I said, over time. Came across this illustration. Uh, Hopefully it helps. You put a pot of water on the stove. It's at 100 degrees. And then you turn the heat on, and you want to boil something. So, one minute in, don't see anything. The temperature is actually maybe 130 degrees now, but you don't see anything. Another minute, don't see anything. Maybe it's 160, 170 degrees. Another minute, 200 degrees, you still don't see anything. You're putting energy in, you're putting heat in, but you don't see the result. If you took your finger in, you'd, you'd feel it, but you don't see it. Then you hit 212 degrees, what happened? Bubbles all, all over the place, Right? So the energy or the heat was being stored up until the place where it was let go at uh, 212 degrees. We call this the tipping point. The tipping point. Well, it's the same thing in, in, in our habits in our lives. There's a, a tipping point. You know, it's really hard to walk that mile. And I walk that mile day after day or maybe more miles, and all of a sudden it gets easier to walk those miles. And one day you're enjoying walking those miles. There's, you've crossed the tipping point. You've changed your diet, and for a week or two, you don't feel good, or you haven't lost any weight, and all of a sudden, a few more weeks, and what happened? You crossed the tipping point. Oh, I feel better. got more energy. Uh, uh, I've lost some weight. Financially, especially, it takes time. If you, you're in debt, you're not going to get out of debt overnight. It's going to take months and months and months probably years. took you years to get into debt. It can take you years to get out of debt. So it's not wasted. They're being stored up. The reality is it's the things that no one sees that bring the results that everybody wants. Think of somebody you admire for whatever reason, spiritual reason, financial reason, relational reason. 
you know, they got a really good marriage. We have no idea what work went in to those folks having a good marriage, do you? The things they've done. Uh, financially, they're in a really good place. You, you have no idea of the sacrifices they've made to get to that place. So relationally, financially, spiritually. There's somebody you admire spiritually. You don't know how much time and energy has gone into them uh, getting to that place spiritually. So just kind of a reminder. Uh, Paul wrote this also, kind of went along with our last series, Um, Tough as Nails. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. The older you get, the easier it is to get tired. We just naturally have less energy, I think. So no, 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 don't get, don't get tired. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. So if you keep walking, if you keep exercising, if you keep uh, sticking to the budget, if you, stick, if you continue to work on your, on your relationships, don't give up eventually. Yeah, most of you know I... I've run some ultra-marathon, 50-mile races, and people say, how do you do it? I say, I just don't stop. Eventually, <laughs> you get to the end of the 50 miles. I may be walking, but I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. So you get to the end. You're successful. You get the blessing. Now, third point, and we don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but this is a really important one, <laughs> why we're, uh, we're not successful when we have good intentions. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. So, I failed at the exercise program, so I'm just, uh, you know, a, a slob. Or I've, some people consider themselves as messies, right? You know, so I'm just a messy, so I'm going to be messy and do messy things. Uh, addictive personalities. I'm, I, I just have addictive personality. So... Whether it's this or whether it's that, you, you can be addicted to good things. I mean, at one point I was running more than I should have that was good for me, for example. Or just, it's just me. You know, that's my excuse. It's just me. No, 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 no. Our distorted identity sabotages our success. All people in script, Moses, for example, he, he made a stupid decision when he was 40. 80 years, uh, 40 years later, when he's 80, God comes and I say, Moses, I want you to leave my... My, my children, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He said, no, no, I can't do that. I'm a failure. I don't talk well, etc., etc." Uh, Paul even said, because of killing Christians early on, he said, well, I'm the chief of sinners. Well, well no, you're not. <laughs> our distorted identity sabotages our success. So our unhealthy identity, if you have an unhealthy identity, it creates unwise habits. I'm a slob, so I'm going to do slobby things. You know, I'm, undiscip- uh, you know, I'm unhealthy, I'm going to do unhealthy things, whatever it might be. I'm not a spiritual, so I'm not going to do spiritual things. Create unwise habits, and unwise habits then reinforce the unhealthy identity. So, I'm out of shape, so since I'm out of shape, I'm not going to exercise. When I don't exercise, I'm saying, well, I'm out of shape because I don't exercise. We call this a cycle. Uh, that's a negative cycle, a downward cycle. Um, hopefully most of us are, want to have a godly cycle, a positive cycle. So how do we do that? Well, before you start with the do, and that was our title of this teaching, 
do goals, you start with the who goals. So, I want to be a godly person. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a godly pastor. Uh, I want to be financially responsible. I don't want to be a slave financially. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Start with the who instead of the do. So how do I become responsible financially? How do I become a healthy person? How do I become spiritually more mature and closer to God, etc., etc.? You can ask it this way. Who do you want to become? When somebody talks about you, what do you want to say? That, that's a healthy person? They're out of shape person. That's a spiritual person, godly person. That's a, not a godly person. Who do you want to become? Yeah, their great parents are there. Yeah, I didn't know about that, <laughs> them as parents. Because the reality is this. Identity shapes your actions. It's a simple way to say this. If I think I'm a lousy parent, I'm going to be a lousy parent. If I think I'm a lousy spouse, I'm going to be a lousy spouse. Example after example. So when you know who you are, especially spiritually, we're going to talk about that first, you know what to do. So who do I want to be? The do will overflows or will overflows out of the who. Give you kind of a silly illustration. I never smoked, but my parents did. <clears throat> so you've been a smoker and you decide, I'm going to stop smoking. So you stop smoking. Somebody comes to you and offers you a cigarette. And you say, well, no, I, I am stopping. You're still identifying your smoker. You say, I'm, but I'm stopping. Or you can say, just kind of just terminology, no, I don't smoke. I'm identifying myself as a person that doesn't smoke now, not as a f- person that is trying to quit smoking. The do overflows out of the who. I'm a non-smoker or I'm trying to stop smoking. So let's get back to that. I do what I don't do, want to do and I don't do what I do. Whatever it is. I can't get it mixed up. So Paul, in chapter 6 of Romans, before he said this in chapter 7, Remember the key, I'm a slave to sin? What's he say in chapter 6? Really, really important. Let's read it, chapter 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. When something's crucified, it's what? It's dead. So the sin might lose its power in our lives. So if it's dead, it's lost its power. We are no longer slaves to sin. So what's Paul really describing over there? He's describing what it is outside of Christ Jesus. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you're a slave to sin. That's what he's saying. But as a Jesus follower, we're no longer a slave to sin. So we no longer have to do what we don't want to do. We no longer don't have to not do what we want to do. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Does it mean we're sinless? No, but that should not be our nature. And he finishes this way. We're still slaves, which is interesting. We are free from your slavery to sin, and now you've become slaves to righteous living. So what do you and I have the power to do? What do you and I have the desire to do? To do righteous things or the right things, the godly things. 
Again, so when you know who you are, you know what to do. When you know who you are, you know what to do. So the next question is, those of us who are Jesus followers, who are you in Christ? Who are you and I in Christ? Lots of ways to describe it. I like this one. I'm a child of the king. God's the king. I'm his child. A child of a king is what? Prince or princess, right? That's a child of a king. That's our identity. And consequently then, identity shapes actions. So if I'm a child of the king, I should act like a child of the king. Correct? (laughs) That's a positive cycle. A healthy identity, we say it this way, a healthy identity creates positive habits. Positive habits reinforce healthy identity. So, I'm a child of the king. I want to spend time with my heavenly father. So I pray and read my Bible. I go to church, do all this thing. I want to, he's my example. Jesus was my example. So he went about serving people. So I'm going to go around serving people. And as I do these things, I say, hey, I truly am a child of the king. Child, only a child of the king would do these things. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be uh, godly, spiritual. So my question to you is, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? And it's just not in the spiritual realm, financial realm, relationship realm, health-wise, financial-wise. Who do you want to become? Now, I have a, a general term for myself, and, and this is what I want to become or become more of. And I use the term wise manager. Biblical word is steward, but wise manager because God has given me what? He's given me a life. He's given me time. He's given me energies. He's given me gifts and talents. He's given me financial resources. He's given me relationships. So I want to be a wise manager, a user of all those things. Uh, A biggie, as most of you know, if if you listen to me, is my body. I only get one of these. You only get one of these. And this is the way I relate to God. I relate to to, to other people. This is what I use to, to minister to. So this is critical, this is essential that I be a wise manager of this vessel that God dwells. So when you know who you are, you know what to do. And again, this is not going to happen overnight. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Consistency is the key. When I think about change, it always reminds me of something Paul wrote later in chapter 12. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. So your lifestyle and mine should be different than the average person. The average person lives paycheck to paycheck. You and I shouldn't do that. Let God transform you, transform you into a new person. A person that's not a slave to sin. By changing the way you think your identity, then you will learn to know God's will for you, relationally, financially, health-wise, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You can't beat God's will for your life. So I want to be a person identified by, uh, I'm full of love, I'm full of grace, I'm full of mercy, I'm full of truth. I've come to serve, not to be served. So as I said earlier, 
this series is going to be about you outside of here, outside of this time, this hour on Sunday morning. It's going to depend upon what you do when you leave here. And the 20, uh, seven days between here and next, next Sunday. So here's a couple things to start with. What is your how to get to your what? So what, do you, uh, what, what identity are you relating to? What, what do you want to be known for? Well, how do you want to think about yourself? Your question is going to come up. How do you get there? What's the system? What's the plan? I shared this later, earlier on in the week. Consistency wins over intensity. So, oh, yeah, I'm going to get in shape. So I'm going to out run in five miles this afternoon. And then I'm not going to run again. That would do more harm than good. Now, go out and walk a, a, a mile this, today and then walk a mile tomorrow. Maybe up it to two miles eventually. Uh, can, day after day after day. And then lastly, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself relationally, financially, uh, health-wise, especially spiritually? How do you see yourself? And if you're a Jesus follower, how should you see yourself? All right, so you, got, you and I got a lot of work to do between now and, and next Sunday. We're going to pick this up again. Hopefully you can join us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you for your wisdom. Uh, there's so much we can learn. And God, forgive us for making excuses, that passage in Romans 7 is not for us to make excuse. In fact, it's bad theology. Uh, we are no longer slaves to sin. We're slaves to right choices and right living. Oh, do we mess up? Sure. Thank you that you forgive us. And we do pray for those who aren't Jesus followers. God, I hope they see the wisdom in, in doing things your way. And this salvation this entering into your family is a free gift no greater offer who wants to be a slave to sin you're offering freedom freedom from the power of sin of course freedom from the penalty of sin we're going to be forgiveness that's forgiveness so if you're listening to me this morning and, and, and you're not a Jesus follower please please take seriously the fact that you can have a new life old life has gone a new life in Jesus Christ. If we can help you with that, please let us know. Thank you, Father, for those of us Jesus followers for the, for the blessings it is to be set free. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.